Welcome to the Walk With Me podcast. I'm Pastor Stephen Bond from the Vine Church in Chapel Hill, Tennessee, and I'm excited that you are walking with me. What we do each day is we look at about three chapters of Scripture that I'm just organically reading through in my time with the Lord, and we're going to discuss them for around 20 minutes. You're going to get the most out of this if you read these chapters individually, but hopefully together we'll be able to hear the voice of the Lord as we're meeting each day. I'm stepping, I'm stepping out on your word. I'm stepping, I'm stepping out on your word. I'm stepping, I'm stepping out on your word. Today's passage is from Jeremiah 4, 5, and 6. And uh, these are long chapters filled with um, a lot of a lot of text that is um, describing um, just how wicked they were in so many ways, the, their continual refusal to repent and turn away from their stuff. And, and then also just the judgment that's coming upon them and how they're going to be wiped out because they have surrendered themselves to, to other gods. And yet the promise continuously of that I'm not going to completely wipe you out. Um, it, it says multiple times, it says, I will not make a full end of you. I will not make a full end of you, meaning I'm going to strip you down. And then from the little bit that's left, I'm going to try to do this again. I'm going to build you back up. But first, I've got to winnow away so much of what's not of me, just so I can have a proper starting place to rebuild my nation again. And so these are um I mentioned yesterday um uh the they call they call Jeremiah the the um the sorrowful prophet or the uh the lamenting prophet the weeping prophet as what I've heard it be called and so the reason why is because you can tell there's so much mourning in in his voice and in his words because um he's looking at a nation that have completely forsaken the Lord. And he is crying, really, for them to turn away from their junk and turn to the Lord, the living God, and so that so that they can be strengthened, established, and blessed. And, um, you know, the while the way of which what was happening uh, involved a lot of of literal death and captivity and slavery that shrunk their population. They were so big and it shrunk their population and they were actually held within captivity. And um, they had to go, this is Judah, they had to go in um, to Babylon and be held there. Um, This same, sometimes when we read scriptures like this, we still want to understand um, God's character, and then I also want to know what my flesh's default is, okay? Because God is always going to be God. Now, we have the new covenant, and we have the blood of Jesus, and so now the Lord judges through Jesus to get to me, but his character and his way of developing righteousness hasn't changed, okay? And so I can still learn God's character by reading the way he dealt with Israel. But I can also learn 
the character of my flesh is default. I don't want to just say my character because through the power of the Holy Spirit, we have we have an inner strength that can empower us differently than the way that Israel behaved. But left to my own strength and without using the Lord's help, then I will be just as Israel was. And they were they were forgetful and they were wicked and they were hungry and they were envious and they were jealous and they were constantly seeking more than what they presently had. And those are side effects of the flesh that's existing within us. And so kind of as we're reading these passages, I want to keep that on the forefront of our mind that the Lord still does look at his people and he and he looks at us with grace and he casts our sin as far as the east is from the west. But he's still making for himself a holy bride. He's making for himself a people that are about what he is about. And I want to say that because sometimes the Lord has to do addition by subtraction. Because there are times when the work that the Lord wants to do in us, in order to accomplish it, we must be shrunk so that we can be strengthened. And I mean that from every way that I could mean it. I mean it from, I know, testimonies of people losing work and losing their money and people, you know, uh, just their, their like lives of what they can touch and feel being shrunk down so that they could be built back up. But also sometimes just the false things that you've been standing on to get your identity from and, you know, all these different things. A lot of times these things will kind of out of nowhere kind of disappear. And you go, wait a second, God, what is the meaning of this? And a lot of times it's because a lot of times he, he shrinks before he strengthens. And, um, and so that's just a part of what he was doing to the nation uh, of Judah, is shrinking and then strengthening. And it's a lot of what he still does in us today is he prunes at us and um, cuts off what's dying and what's dead and so that new life can grow forth. And so um, it's a painful process to be pruned, but it's a beautiful process because you come out on the other end of it looking like Jesus. You can't look like Jesus by just stuff being added to your life. You know, I want you to understand that about conforming to his image. I think sometimes conforming to his image, we think is the idea of putting on a nice suit, you know, or or uh, fixing your hair, or uh, you know, for a woman, it's putting on makeup. It's it's almost this cover up thing. Like to look like Jesus is is to be covered up. It's not the only way I can look like Jesus is for parts of me to be cut away at, right? So I can't just be me plus stuff equals Jesus. It's actually me minus the flesh plus the Spirit of God, and that's how I look like Jesus. John the Baptist said, I must decrease, he must increase. The only way there's room for him is because there's less of me. And so that's the process of it. And that was the process here in Jeremiah too, was I've got to get rid of all this stuff and and how wicked of a pe- of a people you've become because you're not revealing my glory. You're just as you're just as grotesque as any of the other nations. In fact, you might be worse. And so I'm even going to use the other nations to come against you just to tear you down, not because I'm for them either, but because I'm so for my people looking like me and you don't look anything like me. And so when we to still today as God's people are uh, we don't look anything like him, yet we uh, belong to him, then yes, he will discipline us 
the scripture says he will chastise us. It says in Hebrews, he disciplines those whom he loves. And so this isn't a grace matter, and this isn't a salvation matter, and this isn't about uh, my sin being as cast as far as the east is from the west. It's not, it's not about that kind of stuff in this moment. It's about the Lord loves me, but he loves me too much to let me walk around and not experience the fullness of, of relationship with him which is me decreasing and him increasing. So he'll press me and he'll push me and he'll strip me bare and he'll put me into difficult seasons and he'll do all of this stuff just so that everything that's not of him will decay and be cut off and so that new life can grow up in me. Because if he has to make me miserable for six months just to deal with the root of what's causing depression so that I can experience joy for the next 40 years, then it's worth every ounce of the pain. So you see, you have to understand, God sees things from a different lens than we do. So sometimes we go through incredibly difficult, painful seasons, and we wonder where God is. And sometimes you know where God is. He's the one that's, that's leading you into this season, right? I mean, the Israelites left Egypt. They were on their way to the promised land. They spent 40 years in the wilderness, okay? It wasn't even a very long journey. We believe they could have easily walked that journey in 11 days. It could have taken 11 days, but they weren't a people that were ready to inherit the promised land. So God quite literally confused them and made them walk around in circles for about 40 years, right? And the reason why that he, he made them just walk around in circles was because he was trying to develop in them a people that were ready to inherit the promise. And I think sometimes you could write out a list of all the things that you're wanting, and it might even feel like you're just going around in circles trying to get to those things, and you're wondering, where's God at in all this? Well, he's the circle maker. He's the, he's the one that's leading you into these circles. Why? Because he's trying to develop in you the character and the pruning that could actually walk in and inherit the promise, right? And sometimes it's incredibly painful. It was for the Israelites. You know, only... only um. Two of the original people that left Egypt walked into Canaan. Two. Joshua and Caleb. Even Moses didn't get in. Two. You know, and it's just it's just incredible. But but they had to walk into the to the promised land as a people that would bear the image of their God. And so just kind of want to cover that. I know I've talked for a while, but I wouldn't that's kind of the gist of what was speaking to me today as I was reading these chapters was just God's character to be faithful to, to uh, refine us. Um, and I'm going to jump around and hit a couple of, of texts that, like I said, you'll, if you're reading along with me, you know these chapters are incredibly long. So I'm just going to kind of bounce around at a couple of verses. But he says, remove your te- detestable things from my presence. Do not waver. Um, then he goes down verse four, ver- chapter four, verse four, circumcise yourselves to the Lord, remove the foreskin of your hearts. O men of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. You say, you know, he's asking for this of like cut away at the, at the fleshly parts of your heart. That's the whole image behind circumcision anyway, is to go to an intimate, vulnerable place, right? Where there is flesh. And then let the flesh be cut away from, right? In a, it's a painful manner, but I'm doing it as, as a service to the Lord so that I can become clean, right? That's like, that's the whole concept of circumcision. It's not really the physical act. You know, as we got further along, everyone started arguing about it, but it was never, it's same as Sabbath. It's, well, it's not really about propping your feet up. It's about 
setting being set apart as holy and so was circumcision and what god always wanted was the circumcised heart right was the the heart that that is saying you can have you can cut away at anything that you want to you can change me and so that's what he's asking from them and then verse 14, he says, O Jerusalem, wash your heart from evil that you may be saved. How long shall your wicked thoughts lodge within you? So you can tell when wickedness is really allowed to reside, the, it always exists in the mind and it lodges there, meaning it, it lives there. The, the most futile place that our hearts and minds can arrive at is a place where we continually meditate upon evil. And um, I could go into a lot of detail with that and I don't have the time, but but we must be on guard for what we continuously think about because what I continuously think about really reveals the integrity of my heart, right? You know, I was talking with someone recently about music and, and we were talking about, you know, just how the enemy is, you know, has been working in music for so long. And I thought, well, you know, one of the scariest things about music is you can put incredibly horrible words and really grotesque, um, just... Um, horrible, uh, sinful words, and you put them behind all this music, and you can actually create people that will meditate upon it all the day long, and they don't realize it, but because of it, because it's laced with this, um, you know, rhythm, then all day long, people are going around going like, I'm going to shoot them up and kill them. I'm going to shoot them up and kill them. Can't nobody stop me. Can't nobody stop me. I'm going to shoot him up and kill him. I'm going to get three girls pregnant. I'm going to, you know. And so it's like, you guys liked that little rap there, didn't you? But, you know, it's like, that, that's, that's, this, that's the essence of it. You know, it's these horrible things. It's about drugs, about alcohol. It's about sex over and over again. And it's things that people would not normally meditate upon. And I mean, just really think about it. Like, people wouldn't normally meditate upon you know, having, um, you know, all these crazy, you know, sexual experiences and all of this lewd kind of stuff. No one, they wouldn't even think about this kind of stuff, but we've put it into music and now we're, we're sitting at our desk and we're just, I'm going to shoot him up and kill him, you know, and I'm using that because I'm want to be, that's just the most clean thing I could think of um, could clearly pull from something that's more accurate. And I just don't want to, cause I don't want to accidentally make you think about it all day long, but you just see um, the power that that has, but just on the opposite effect, even just, you know, scripture and singing of scripture and singing of Christian music and worship songs. And this being the things that I meditate upon, these being the anthems that exist in the background of my mind, you know, you know, you're perfect in all of your ways to me, you know, just letting that be what I meditate upon. And so I just want to point that out to you that wicked at its greatest point is the point in which evil continuously runs through the mind. Okay, sin continuously runs through the mind, selfishness continuously, jealousy, envy, pride. You know, these things continuously run through the mind. That's by definition of what evil is. And so he says, man, there's just, you got to turn away. You know, no, none of you guys, there's no one wise. Everyone's evil. Everyone just plots and thinks about all day long. Um, and, and he says, you dress yourself up, you, you, um, you dress in scarlet, you adorn yourself with ornaments of gold, you enlarge your eyes with paint in vain, you beautify yourself, you're, 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 you're so evil on the outside, but you dress yourself so wonderfully 
on the end, you're so evil on the inside, you dress yourself so wonderfully on the outside, right? You know, and that's what you see in today's culture as well, right? Like people are not really concerned with how beautiful I am on the inside, so to speak, like how, how sanctified, how sanctified am I internally? Like my thoughts and my mind and my actions. It's almost kind of like, no, that's a private place where no one sees, but everyone sees what's external. So the focus of my life is the car I drive, the clothes I wear, the way I look, the way my hair is cut and all this kind of stuff. And, and it's, that's the same way that they were, was they had got to this place of where it's like their only definition of prosperity or success was in the way things appeared to be outwardly. And no one was really that concerned inwardly with anything. And that's, that's a, a something similar to, you know, our nation as well. And so, and then for uh, chapter five, it says, you know, uh, run through the streets and look for anyone who does justice and seeks truth, you know, and, and they've, they've made their faces harder than rock. They refuse to repent, you know, they're, they're going to, they have no desire of, of repenting at all. They, they don't say in their hearts, let us fear the Lord who gives us rain in its season, the autumn rain and its spring rain and keeps for us the weeks appointed for harvest. They don't, they don't even consider me. They don't, they don't think about me. They don't think about that. I'm the purpose or the reason of their existence. They don't fear me. It says, and, um, and then it says, uh, the word of the Lord is to them an object of scorn. They take no pleasure in it. That's, that's another sign of, of an evil generation. Isn't that wild? A people, they don't take pleasure in the word of the Lord. They consider it, they consider it judgmental and scorning to them, right? And they don't take pleasure in it. Whereas we should be a people who delight in the word of the Lord. And then it says, um, for, from the least to the greatest of them, everyone is greedy for unjust gain, right? And then verse 15, chapter six says, they are not ashamed at all. They do not know how to blush. I thought that was an interesting verse there. Like they're so comfortable with their wickedness that it's not even embarrassing to them anymore. Like, you know, and you just think about that. And I, I'm not trying to like, when I talk about this kind of stuff, I'm not trying to like tear down America. It, it just, it just happens because we, this is where we live. So it's where we're most familiar with, but also because we can just look at the last 10, 15 years and it's like, man, there were things that people were doing, but yet they were still ashamed of it. And then there's like, there, those same things have gotten to where we're so familiar with it that nobody's even embarrassed by it anymore. It's like, this is what I'm doing and everyone should accept that it's what I'm doing. It's like, that's a deeper level of evil. Like the point blank black and white truth of it is, is that, our nation is getting more and more evil. And that's not to say, you know, that we should pack up and move because we are a part of it. Our feet tread this land. So what we have to be mindful of is understanding that I'm a part of an evil nation. This is not a God-fearing nation. I'm a part of, of, of what Judah was a part of. That, 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 that's what Judah was. Is this, that's, I'm a part of this same, this same place. They, they honored God with their lips sometimes, but their hearts are far from Him. And so I've got to be careful that I don't conform to the pattern of the world because the pattern of the world is just to embrace evil and meditate upon evil and then just try to put a face on over it all. And so... We must have repentant hearts that come before the Lord 
and and deeply desire to be made righteous and to be made holy and to be made pure and to be made innocent, right? And so it starts with each one of us individually. It doesn't start with us asking for the nations to change. We we change the nations one person at a time. So just us, me, your spouse, if you're married, your children, start there in your churches. Let's just start right on home turf and let us seek to be a people who are repentant, a people that fear God, a people that have a desire to be made holy, a people that circumcise our hearts, meaning we, we're willing to cut away at anything that's fleshly, that's 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 taking over. We want to consecrate ourselves before the Lord so that he can make us his holy people so that we can demonstrate to the nations that we belong to him.